This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. That is 1 Corinthians 1.10. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We do appreciate it. If you have not done so already, we need you guys to leave us some positive ratings and positive reviews, just like I've told you before. This happens a few times a month. Guys will leave these glowing reviews on like Apple Podcasts or somewhere else where you can actually write in the review, and they'll be like, I love it. I can't wait to get it every day, and it's so good. And I look forward to it and I share it around three stars. It's like, no, nobody. Let's leave those five-star reviews. If you're on Spotify, you can now do five-star reviews. You've always been able to do that on Apple Podcasts and pretty much everywhere else you're listening to this. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button so this can always get out there to you. And guys, share this podcast around. The easiest way to do that is go to www.undaunted.life backslash podcast because from there, you can get to all the places I just described, but also to Audible and to iHeartRadio and everywhere else where our podcast lives. So make sure you share that out. Undaunted life backslash podcast. But guys, what we're going to be talking about today, it's a little bit somber because of kind of what we've seen in the news, some things that have happened over the last several weeks. But, you know, as I tend to do, I try to put it into something that is easily encapsulated for you to be able to take with you and, you know, create some life changes, blah, blah, blah. But as of late, there have been some very high profile deaths. Okay. And so I want to talk about three of them here that have happened in the last several weeks. And then we'll get into, you know, kind of why those are are interesting to me. So the first one that I remember is John Madden. So John Madden died on December the 28th, 2021 at the age of 85. The cause of death as of the recording of this podcast is unknown, but John Madden, if you don't know who that is, he's a Super Bowl winning head coach of the Oakland Raiders. He is a broadcasting giant. He almost invented, you know, this, uh, you know, modern NFL football broadcasting that we have. He's a pro football hall of famer, obviously. But he had a lot of great tributes to him as well. And so I'm going to go through a few of those. Uh, the current NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, had this to say, quote, nobody loved football more than coach. He was football. He was an incredible sounding board to me and so many others. There will never be another John Madden, and we will forever be indebted to him for all he did to make football and the NFL what it is today, unquote. And then EA Sports came out and they they released a statement because, you know, EA Sports, probably their biggest franchise ever is the Madden franchise that, the, that you can basically play uh, the NFL games and all that kind of thing. This is what they had to say, quote, today we lost a hero. John Madden was synonymous with the sport of football for more than 50 years. His knowledge of the game was second only to his love for it and his appreciation for everyone that ever stepped on the gridiron. A humble champion, a willing teacher, and forever a coach. Our hearts and sympathies go out to John's family, friends, and millions of fans. He will be greatly missed, always remembered, and never forgotten, unquote. But the, the one tribute that really stuck out to me was the one from the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones. He said this, quote, I'm not aware of anyone who has made a more meaningful impact on the National Football League than John Madden, and I know of no one who loved the game more. This is a loss that is as big as the legacy that John Madden created, a legacy of love, love for his family, for football, and for life. When I think of a person who's of sports who is worthy of the term larger than life, I have always thought of John, and I always will. A life in football is a gift and a blessing. John lived all of his days with dignity, kindness, and a sense of personal caring for everything and everyone. There is no one who lived a more beautiful football life than John Madden, unquote. And guys, those are just a few. There were a bunch of others, but that happened towards the end of December. But then one that happened here very, very recently was Bob Saget. 
So Bob Saget died on January the 9th of 2022, again, just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, at the age of 65. The cause of death as of the recording of this podcast is unknown. So if you don't know who that is, he's a stand-up comedian, actor, and television host. He's actually most known for being uh, the host of America's Funniest Home Videos in the 1980s and 90s, and above everything else, for his role as Danny Tanner, the, the dad of the monumental hit show Full House from the 1980s and 90s. And he actually reprised his, his role on the sequel to that show called Fuller House, which is on Netflix and has been in recent years. I didn't catch those, but you know, he's known for those things. There were a lot of tributes to Bob as well. So uh, first tribute I'll bring to you is from his on-screen eldest daughter, DJ, in Full House. Her name is Candace Cameron Burr. She said this, quote, I don't know what to say. And then she put a broken heart emoji. I have no words. Bob was one of the best human beings I've ever known in my life. I loved him so much, end quote. And then also from Full House, uh, the gal that played Kimmy Gibbler, that was DJ's best friend, Andrea Barber. She had this to say, quote, he had the biggest heart of anyone in Hollywood. He gave the biggest hugs. I'm gutted that I will never be able to hug him again. Bob ended every text, every interaction with love you. Didn't matter how long or short we'd been apart. He loved so deeply and so fiercely, and he never hesitated to tell you just how much you meant to him, unquote. And then the last one I want to bring to you is from John Stamos. So he was the co-star and friend on Full House, and he was Uncle Jesse on that show. He had this to say. He had actually a lot of things to say, but I just pulled a quote out of one of his uh, longer statements. Here it is, quote, when we when he gets to the hotel and puts his head on the pillow, he misses his daughters, his family, his friends. God, he loves us so much. And he goes to sleep dreaming of when we'll all meet again. And he's smiling. I know in my heart he's smiling, still hearing the laughter from the few hours before. I'm just not ready to say goodbye yet. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe. Unquote. And then obviously there are many, many others that have come out of the woodwork really here in the last few days as well. But then there was the big one. So these aren't exactly in chronological order, but the big one, the big recent death, and the reason why we're releasing this episode on January the 17th of 2022 is because of Betty White. So Betty White died on December the 31st of 2021 on New Year's Eve at the age of 99 years old. The cause of death was a stroke that she actually suffered six days prior to her passing. Today, January 17th of 2022 would have been her 100th birthday. Okay. Uh, there were articles coming out for months leading up to this. You know, I talked about it on my end of year show. Unfortunately, she passed literally the day after I released that show. I talked about the excitement, how we could all kind of come together and coalesce around this one woman. But if you don't know who Betty White is, uh, let me go ahead and bring you up to speed. She's an actress and comedian, and she's actually the longest serving or was the longest serving actress in Hollywood history. So she had acting credits for almost every single year from 1945 to 2021. And that's according to Internet Movie Database, IMDb. Just an absolutely long, crazy career of all kinds of things. She was referred to lovingly as the first lady of television. And most people know her for her roles on the Mary Tyler Moore show and the Golden Girls. But even though those shows have been off for decades, they haven't really been on air. They've been in syndication. There were people that knew about her, you know, teenagers that knew about her because she was in, you know, certain movies and she was kind of in a cult following. And then there's, there's kids these, these days that are watching the golden girls and they're laughing just like, you know, I did whenever I would, you know, watch it with my mom or something like that when I was a little kid. And there's been a lot of tributes to Betty White as well. But one of them that I found ironically enough was from Bob Saget. So he posted this just a couple of weeks before his own death, but he said this quote, Betty White, this amazing woman was exactly who you wanted her to be razor sharp wit, smart kind, hilarious, sincere, and so full of love, end quote. And also from actor Ryan Reynolds, so he actually uh, appeared in a movie with her, I think it was The Proposal, this is what he said, quote, the world looks different now. She was great at defying expectation. She managed to grow very old and somehow not old enough, 
We'll miss you, Betty. Now you know the secret, unquote. And the last one I got from, from uh, that I want to share with you guys, because there was one particular part of this statement that I thought was interesting. It's from the Star Trek actor, George. I think I, I didn't watch Star Trek, but it's George Taki. I don't know. T-A-K-E-I. Sorry, guys. Sorry to all the Trekkies out there. I just offended you. But this is what he said, quote, our national treasure, Betty White, has passed just before her 100th birthday. Our Sue Ann Nivens, our beloved Rose Nyland, has joined the heavens to delight the stars with her inimitable style, humor, and charm. Great loss to us all. We shall miss her dearly, unquote. Now, we can obviously forget about the issue in the heavens, you know, flying around, imitating certain things and being funny. You know, we don't have to really get into that. But he called her a national treasure. And I think most people would absolutely agree with that. But here's the thing, as I was reflecting on these three deaths, because, you know, I was obviously aware of the death of John Madden, then we had the death of Betty White, and then we had Bob Saget. I noticed something in the aftermath of the deaths of those three people. And that was universal admiration, or what I'm coining as the Betty White effect. Because you, you got to think with these people, John Madden had been in football for more than 50 years. Bob Saget, you know, for, I think it was close to 40 years had been in entertainment. Betty White, you know, from the forties all the way to the 2020s, right? I mean, just this crazy long career of being in the public eye, constantly having a microphone in front of their face, constantly having the opportunity to mess up. And we're not hearing anybody say, oh yeah, well you're uh, celebrating Betty White, but do you remember when she did this? Or do you remember when she said that? That's not what I'm seeing. And, and believe me, guys, I looked for it. Or perhaps you found some or, or saw some, but I certainly didn't see any of that anywhere. Universal admiration for these three people. I mean, it's just, it's crazy because the, I guess the part of the reason why I think it's crazy is because we live in a time of extreme cancel culture, right? And usually cancel culture is in the present. Right. So if you, I were to say something completely egregious, somebody would clip this and they'd put it online and, you know, people would attack me and, you know, go after some of our sponsors and go after these people and like go after anyone that knows me. And, you know, that, that's what they would do. That's just how these people are wired. That's kind of this in the moment we're in cancel culture. But we even have this unbelievable ability. I say we, but it's mainly Western culture, people that are more on the leftist side of things. They'll cancel you even if you're dead. I mean, just look at it. George Washington. You know, basically the, the father of our country, the first great general, first president, he's been canceled post-death because he owned slaves, which was an egregious evil. But we're, we're not looking at him as, you know, the sum of all of his parts. We're looking at some of his most evil parts and judging him by it. You know, in the same vein as George Washington, you have somebody like Thomas Jefferson. So this is a guy who owned slaves and, uh, you know, purportedly raped his slaves and impregnated some of his slaves and, you know, these horribly evil things. But he also gave us the Declaration of Independence that allowed us to, you know, and was part of the leveraging point to get rid of slavery later. Right. So it's it's kind of one of those things that we look at some of all of his parts or just his parts. And then what I even thought about recently, John Wayne. I forget what, you know, what uh, publication did this, but it was a couple of years ago. They brought up these old quotes from John Wayne. Now, John Wayne has been dead for a very long time. I, I'm almost certain John Wayne died before I was even born. I was born in 1986. So John Wayne has not been with us for a very, very long time. And yet here we are bringing up quotes that might sound insensitive to modern ears. And some of them are, frankly, you know, these are things that I don't, I wouldn't stand up and at a pulpit and, you know, defend, but we're canceling people even after they've passed on. But here's the reality. Here's the reality overall. In 2022, there is no such thing as universal admiration anymore. Because I got to tell you, as I was sitting down preparing this podcast, and technically I've been preparing it for weeks because I've been thinking about this, you know, after the death of John Madden, Betty White, and, you know, Bob Saget was kind of like, okay, I definitely need to talk about this. But I tried to sit down and think, 
of who a universally beloved person is right now that's still alive. And I couldn't think of one. And guys, it wasn't like, oh, I spent two seconds. I really thought about this. I'm like, okay, of all the people, you know, whether it's in politics or entertainment or sports or any of those types of things, who is universally beloved across the board? And I couldn't think of anybody. Now, there are people that I I perceive that are beloved and respected by literally billions of people, not millions, not tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of people. So one of those people would be the Pope. I would not consider myself uh, someone that uh, thinks of the Pope in such glowing terms, but some people look at the Pope as that type of a person. He's beloved by billions of people. You know, a couple of current soccer stars, you know, you have these two guys that are basically going back and forth for who's going to end up being the GOAT. You have Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Just so you know, I think Cristiano Ronaldo is probably the greatest soccer player of all time. A lot of people would disagree with me and say Messi. Some would say Pele. Some would say who the heck knows. But those guys are beloved and respected by billions of people. And then the greatest sports figure and athlete of all time, Michael Jordan, he's respected by billions of people, if not just for the things that he did on the court, but also his brand, the Jordan brand and the shoes and all the stuff. Those were kind of the only people I could really think of that are beloved and respected by billions, but that's not universal. You know, I already talked about the Pope, how I I obviously don't agree with a lot of his politics and a lot of his ways of doing things and don't even really agree with most of what the Catholic faith stands for. But then also you have Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. People love those guys, but then they also hate them if they don't play for their team, right? People will hate them because they don't like soccer. And then you got a guy like Michael Jordan. There are billions of people that love and respect Michael Jordan, but let's say you're a LeBron guy. You kind of hate Michael Jordan. You don't want to talk about Michael Jordan. Let's say you're a Pistons fan growing up or a Supersonics fan or a Knicks fan or a Utah Jazz fan growing up. You're probably not a big Michael Jordan fan. It's not universal. They're certainly beloved. They're certainly rich. They're certainly, you know, well-protected and and well-thought of in a lot of circles, but they're not universally admired and loved. And guys, I feel like the reason for this lack of universal admiration in our modern age, this lack of, you know, the Betty White effect, I think there's twofold reasons for that in my estimation. The first is irreconcilable differences. And the second is that there's no middle ground. So let's talk about the first one, irreconcilable differences. The thing is, is like, you normally hear that in the context of a divorce, right? Uh, if you can't figure out an actual reason for the divorce, you just put down irreconcilable differences, whether that's about money or parenting or where we're going to go on vacation. And you just kind of list that and move on. And, you know, in the world of no fault divorces, you can just do that. No big deal. Willy nilly. Right. But there are irreconcilable differences that you can't hold certain worldviews at the same time. You can't hold two certain belief systems at the exact same time. They don't mix their oil and water. I mean, I mean, just think about it. You can't be both Christian and Muslim. You can't. Some people are like, oh, you can be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. The center point of Christianity is Jesus Christ, right? Or you can say the triune God. Well, Muslims don't believe in the triune God. And they believe Jesus is in the Quran, but he's just another prophet. He's just another teacher, right? They, they certainly don't think that he died on a cross and was resurrected three days later. They believe in the swoon theory that he only pretended or he looked like he was dead, but then magically somehow three days later he appeared to people and he was, you know, he wasn't dead or something like that, right? It's just kind of this big convoluted mess. So you can't hold a Christian worldview and a Muslim worldview. You know, in America, you can't be both a Democrat and a Republican. And I don't mean that just from a registration standpoint. You have to basically choose D, R, or I, independent, right? But you can't be both. Just look at it this way. Look at the issue of abortion. We talk about abortion a lot on this podcast, and for good reason. 
you can't hold a Democratic view of abortion and a Republican view of abortion because according to the Democratic National Committee, according to the party platform, they are okay with and would support and do support and advocate for the killing of the unborn up until the moment of birth. Even here recently, the governor of New Jersey is intending to sign legislation that will allow in the state of New Jersey for abortion up to the date of birth. Well, Republicans, part of their party platform is, no, we don't like that. Now, there's a lot of convolution in the Republican Party as to kind of when the line should be cut off and what are the circumstances. But in general, Democrats are pro-abortion and Republicans are anti-abortion or pro-life. So you can't be both of those things. You can't hold, you know, the Democrat side and the Republican side as your worldview. I mean, think about it like you can't be racist and non-racist. Notice how I didn't say anti-racist because in order to be anti-racist, you have to be racist. But, you know, I'll divert from there. You can't be racist. You can't have the sin of partiality as something that you do and also be non-racist at the same time. They're irreconcilable. Those things can't be reconciled together. And the last thing or the second thing here would be that there's no middle ground. And and frankly, there's not a whole lot of respect and wiggle room for middle ground anymore. So let's kind of go back to the religion example. You can't actually take pieces from different religions and kind of like, you know, Frankenstein them together into your own religion. Now, people will try to do that. People will attempt to do things like that, but that's not something that you can actually do. So you can't, you know, again, like I said, you can't be, you know, Christian and believe in the resurrected Christ and then be Buddhist and be like, well, there's technically no such thing as you. Like, you can't do those things. Those don't really go together. There's no middle ground there that we can all come to. And in politics, independents don't have much power. Like, I know people that are registered independents, and I'm like, do you just like not voting? Do you just like literally not having an opinion? Now, you could be a Democrat and, you know, vote for Republicans. That's something you can do. But it's typically only things that you can do in general elections, right? You you can't vote for them on the party line or something like that. Like, this is not something you're able to do. And so independence, it's like, great, you're, you're letting us know or you're signaling to us that you ideologically fall somewhere in the middle and or you don't know which side of the fence to jump off to because there's never been an independent or I mean, I guess in our modern context, there's never been an independent that has won, you know, the ticket and gone to the White House. Right. I guess Ross Perot would be our closest that we had. And he's the only reason why the Clinton family is in any power, because he basically destroyed George H.W. Bush's second term uh, chances at a second term to go to office. So independents don't have as much power, uh, you know, in terms of when we look at our entire body politic. And the last thing with the sin of partiality, right? You see that in James chapter two, you're either committing that sin or you're not. There is no middle ground. So if you're being racist, if you're acting racist, if if you're separating people based on their immutable characteristic of race, the level of melanin in their skin, you can't do that. There's no middle ground there. You're either doing that or you're not doing that. You can't like sort of do that. So again, the reasons we don't have universal admiration for anybody or really for anything, any way of life is because of irreconcilable differences and no middle ground. But guys, I just got to tell you in preparation for this episode, I had a plan in place. Okay. And the plan was, is I was going to preach to you about unity and I was going to leverage the death of uh, the universally beloved Betty White to do it, right? I was going to come at you and be positive and optimistic. And I was going to have a very, very positive spin on the times we're living in. It was going to be kind of my attempt at a kumbaya session and, you know, 
things that we could do as people to come together and all this stuff that kind of goes counter to my own personality. And guys, I was going to lean heavily on Paul's wor- words that I said from the top of this episode. I'll repeat it. First Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you and that there uh, or that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. I was really going to lean heavily on that. But then the realization hit me. Universal admiration is not the goal. And frankly, universal admiration shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be and is truth. And and not my truth, quote unquote, and quote unquote, your truth. No, it's capital T truth. And I talked about that on the ways to avoid being a crappy man episode. You know, seek, you know, seek truth right over narrative. And if you are a legitimate purveyor of the capital T truth, the ultimate truth, you will never have universal admiration. It's not possible. I mean, because here's the thing. If you think about it, why were John Madden and Bob Saget and Betty White universally admired? You know, why, why do we know that? Because they were nice. They were caring. They were successful. They were entertaining. They were easily accessible. We could watch them anytime we wanted for the most part. They were hardly ever, if ever, controversial. I mean, I, that is, if you never watched one of Bob Saget's comedy specials, you know, you would have come away thinking about that about him, right? They were always seemingly on the right side of history. There's lots of examples, you know, about, uh, you know, Betty White pushing back against racism in television and, you know, being pro LGBTQ plus blah, 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 you know, all those things, right? But in order to stand for absolute and ultimate truth, you simply cannot be universally admired. Case in point, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, you know, you know, the savior of the world, the only way to the father, the line of Judah, the lamb of God should be universally admired. He is legitimately the only person, I mean, I, albeit God in human form, of the billions of people that have ever existed that deserves 100% universal admiration. But even Jesus, even he can't please everyone. And actually, he would never attempt to please everyone. And, and guys, to be honest with you, as I was thinking through this, there are a myriad of reasons why Jesus was hated. Okay, so I'm actually going to list four of them here because I think it'll help kind of make uh, my point here and help us crescendo to something that is useful. But the first three actually came from an article that I read by Dr. Josh, uh, I think is pronounced his last name, Boyce, uh, B-U-I-C-E or Boose, whatever, who cares? Uh, and it's from churchleaders.com from back in 2017. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. I thought he did a good job of uh, really summing up some of these things. They were already thoughts that I was having. And then I'll get to the fourth one, which I added. But the first reason that Jesus was hated is because Jesus confronted empty religion. And he confronted it directly, head on. He called this out a lot. We see that throughout, you know, the four Gospels throughout the New Testament, right? And he did so especially with the religious elite, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So specifically in Matthew 23, and we see this in verse 27 and 28 here. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you always outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I mean, that that's really, really harsh language that he's, he's using with these people. These are people that were always used to getting the utmost amount of respect from everybody because of the station that they had acquired in life, right? 
they they had a lot of universal respect at least inside of their communities and even outside their communities and the thing about it is, is jesus was counter to empty religion and so in our modern age there's a lot of that there's a lot of this kind of new agey, postmodern, your truth is your truth. You can kind of figure it out. Hey, let's kind of piecemeal a religion together that kind of fits with you. Hey, yeah, you can be Christian and say you're Christian, but we're not really going to talk about the parts of the Bible that make you uncomfortable. We're not really going to talk about the parts that are going to, you know, uh, look make you look at other people as sinners. We're just going to kind of whitewash all that. We'll focus on the Lamb of God. We'll ignore the Lion of Judah. We're just going to kind of do this. But what that is, is it's empty. And Jesus was super duper against that. And that's what our modern pastors should be super duper against. Uh, there was a quote from that article that I mentioned just a second ago, and it's from John Calvin. And it says this, a pastor needs two voices, one for gathering the sheep and the other for driving away wolves and thieves. That's a great John Calvin quote. And all you are like, oh, is Kyle Armenian or, or Calvinist? You know, we'll get, we'll get into that maybe in a later episode. But that, that's such a great thing because it's these individuals, these pastors that need to drive out. They literally need to drive out the wolves and thieves that are going to try to convince people that there is this empty religion that they should be a part of. So that's one of the reasons Jesus was hated. And another reason that he was hated is because he loved the outcasts. He didn't care about, you know, the quote unquote important people. You know, he didn't care about titles and societal or religious rankings or any of that. He hung out with the drunks. He hung out with the sluts. He hung out with the tax collectors. He hung out with the sinners. He hung out with the people that were absolutely on the outside of culture. People that were looked down upon and, and spat upon and just seen as subhuman by a lot of the important people of that age. And I see this especially in Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13, so I'll read those here. And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at a, or sorry, let me start up. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. So again, this is Jesus that is, is overhearing these important people, these Pharisees, and they're like, wait, why is he hanging out with these people? Shouldn't this Jesus want to hang out with us? But Jesus loved everyone, but he wasn't there for the religious people. He wasn't there for the whitewashed tombs. He was there for the outcasts. He was there for the sick that were in need of him, that were in need of the things that he was able to provide, the living water that never ceases, right? But also. And one of the biggest reasons why people in Jesus's day hated him is because he forgave sinners. He forgave sin. And so one of my favorite uh, you know, things that Jesus did that we see recorded in Luke 5, verses 17 through 26, well, I'll just go ahead and read that here and then we can talk about it. So starting in verse 17, again, Luke 5. On one of those days, and he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing rod, bringing on a man, or sorry, a bed, a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in the lay, and lay him before Jesus. Sorry, guys, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and let him down with the bed through the ti uh, the tiles and midst before Jesus. And when they saw, and when he saw their faith, he said, "Man, your sins are forgiven." And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, "Who is this who speaks blasphemies?" 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them. Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So again, this is one of my favorite stories because it shows I talked about this in the How to Build a Godly Manly Foxhole series. These are foxhole guys. You know, they can't get through. They can't get their their paralyzed buddy to Jesus. They say, screw it. They go up on the roof and they start pulling out, you know, parts of the tiles of the roof. They basically destroy this person's house just so that they can lower their friend down to get him before Jesus at, at this, you know, because they believed that he could be healed. And he was. With a word, Jesus healed this man this paralyzed man who was then able to get up and walk out of the place with his bed and toe, right? He forgave sinners. And the important people in that day, the Pharisees of that day, those who uh, you know, understood you know, the Torah and those different things, they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is blaspheming. And the blasphemy that they perceived didn't allow them to perceive the fact that Jesus was fulfilling the prophecies that they, so, that they knew by heart. They just couldn't accept it. They couldn't see it. And they hated him for it. And the last one here, and this is the one that I added to the list, is Jesus preached his own exclusivity, his own exclusivity, because we live in a world now that if you exclude anybody, you're doing harm to them. If you exclude somebody, it's as if you're doing violence directly to them, right? Because we look at this, we look at the intersectionality and people that are put into these different groups. And if you exclude somebody or if the results of a certain thing has disparate impacts, we assume that that's a bad thing, that something bad has occurred. But I want to look at Jesus in terms of his own exclusivity because we see that in John 14, verses 1 through 7. So this is Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may, also, you may be also. And you know that the way and where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so some people will say, hey, and especially Muslims, when they're debating, they'll be like, hey, Jesus never claimed to be God. He never claimed to be, you know, at one with the Father. He never claimed the exclusive rights to salvation. Well, there you got it. You got it right there in his little conversation he was having with Doubting Thomas, right? It's right there. And so all of those things fly in the face of what we accept even in this modern context. Because here's the deal. Jesus, because of all the things I've listed, right? Because of all those things because he confronted empty religion, because he loved the outcasts and spent time with them, because he forgave sinners and their sins, and because he preached his own exclusivity. He was hated when he was on earth. And then he was hated through the day of his death. And he has continued to be hated for the 2,000 plus years since his resurrection. This strong hatred has been there for him. This entire time, the perfect, sinless, ultimate man, there was no universal admiration for him. Okay. Now, I assume that all of you guys knew that, 
But let's apply that to what we're talking about today with the Betty White effect. So here's some takeaways from this episode, okay? In terms of the main takeaway, it's not, you know, try really hard to be a winner like John Madden. You know, even though I think winning is really, really important. It's not try really hard to be warm and genuine like Bob Saget was, even though I obviously think that being warm and genuine is really important as well. And the point of today's episode is it's not even try hard to be incredibly well-liked like Betty White, even though I think in general, being well-liked is an important thing. I think that's an important thing for us to have. This is the takeaway for today's episode. Be willing to trade all earthly plaudits and admiration for the sake of Christ. Be willing to do that. And the reason why I'm encouraging you to do that is because as an evangelical myself, if I'm unwilling to share the gospel, to preach the gospel, to talk about Jesus, to talk about the resurrection, to talk about how I can have hope in an afterlife, and I'm scared because what are people going to say? Are, are people going to unfollow me on Instagram? Are, are people going to unsubscribe from my show? Are people going to yell at me? Are my friends going to get mad at me or are they going to think I'm judging them? If someone's of another religion, are they going to think I'm being you know bigoted and elitist because I'm a Christian somehow? You know, is my wife going to look at me funny if I, if I do it in public? Is whatever these things are that pop up in your head, right? That's the work of the devil. That he, he's absolutely trying to get you to not do those things. Because again, go back to John Madden, Bob Saget, and Betty White, but especially Betty White. She was basically perfect from a public standpoint her entire life. No one could ever come up with, yeah, you know, she had a really great career, but you know, when she said that thing back in 1974, you know, that, that really could have ended her career. I couldn't find anything like that about her. But what if at any point in her life, she had started preaching the gospel? Because I, I don't know Betty White's personal faith. I don't, I don't know if she's a Christian. I don't know any of those things. But uh, from the outside looking in, I, I don't know that that's the case. But what if she had started doing that? What if she had been denying roles because she didn't know if she could glorify Christ in them? What if she kept pointing to herself as the reason for her success and not pointing to Christ? And you know, what if she had flipped that and started pointing to Christ as the reason for her success? Would she have been as big? You know, would she have been as universally admired as she was? I don't think so. I think so clearly that she would not have been. But for all of us that are listening to this, we have to always be willing to trade those earthly rewards and the earthly admiration because of Christ. Because what he has for us is so much greater and so much better. Because here's the reality, guys, is he was sent here to die. That was the whole point of his life was to die so that we would have a way to have our sins taken away from us to be washed away, to be sanctified before a holy and just God. That's why we're here, to hear the message. All right, that's why he was brought here to bring that message to us. But you guys are going to miss out on the beauty of that, on the beauty of the sacrifice, on the beauty of the resurrection, if you're constantly looking to be admired. If you want the Betty White effect to take place in your life, to where people all over the globe, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious system or political leanings, are going to love you. Because if you put your stake in the ground and you, or you draw a line in the sand or use whatever you know, allegory you want to or something like that, you know, whatever you want to do, if you are behind Christ, if you are sanctified in Christ, if you are a Christian and you mean it, it's going to cost you. It is going to cost you in this world. 
And that should be okay. Because if it's not, you, you may not be a Christian. This might not be the lifestyle for you. You should probably go piecemeal together your own religion because what's required of you to be a Christian is something a little bit more. Because Christ has done everything that he can in order to allow you a pathway to the Father. But you have to reach out your hand. You have to make that decision. And for a lot of you, you want the cultural positives in your area of being a Christian. You know, you want to say, oh, yeah, I go to that church. Oh, people from that church are generally nice. You, you want that type of thing. But when's the last time that you spoke the truth of the gospel, even the hard parts, into your child's life or into the life of his teachers or his coaches or someone at a restaurant? When have you done that? So again, just to repeat, the big takeaway for today, be willing to trade all earthly plaudits and admiration for the sake of Christ. It is so much better than getting the Betty White effect after you've passed on. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So I've got a couple of articles for you today. So Megan Basham over at The Daily Wire, she wrote an article that was interesting. I didn't agree with all of it, but I, I never agree with everything. It's called Bob Saget, The Man Who Deserved the Title of America's Dad. And then also the article that I talked about earlier on churchleaders.com, Three Reasons Why Jesus Was Hated by Dr. Josh Boyce. Sorry, I'm like slaughtering the dude's name. I'm super sorry about that. But guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. We really do appreciate it wherever you're listening to this. Please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like us on Facebook. And you can also check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And we want to also thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>